decided to do today's recital while the sun was on this side of the sky so that I'm not uh, sort of a shadow in the picture even though it'll be a bit warm for me, but that's okay. <clears throat> this is Edward Reeves, Buddhist Books Podcast, Episode 107, Tipitaka, Part 46, in which we will continue the Pakitiya. Yes, the Pakitiya. It's always nice when it finally sticks. We'll be reading uh, Pakitiya, Part 4, Roman numeral 4, and uh, maybe five, and we'll see how far we go. As usual, you already know from the opening scroll or from the title of the episode. Uh, if this is your first time seeing me and you're on YouTube, go ahead and click up here, and that will take you to the TP Talk playlist. Better to start with uh, episode one. And uh, if you're hearing me on the podcast, you can start either with the uh, episode one of TV Taka, which is episode 61 of Edward Reap's Buddhist Books podcast, or I've created a separate podcast called TP Taka, which you can search for on your podcasting app and uh, start with episode one. Expiation, Pakitiya, four. At one time, the enlightened one, the Lord, was staying at Sabati in the Jetta Grove in Anattapindika's monastery. Now, at that time, the group of six monks, of course, made lay followers speak Dhamma line by line. The lay followers were disrespectful, not deferential toward the monks. They did not live in harmony. Those who were modest monks looked down upon, criticized, spread it about, saying, quote, How can this group of six monks make lay followers speak Dhamma line by line? The lay followers are disrespectful, three dots. They do not live in harmony. Then these monks told this matter to the Lord, three dots. Quote, Is it true, as is said, that you monks made lay followers speak Dhamma line by line, and that lay followers three dots in harmony? End quote. Quote, it is true, Lord. End quote. The enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked them, saying, How can you, foolish men, make lay followers speak Dhamma line by line? so that lay followers, three dots, in harmony. It is not foolish men for pleasing those who are not yet pleased, nor for increase in those who are pleased, three dots. And thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. Whatever monk should make one who is not ordained speak Dhamma line by line, there is an offense of expiation. End quote. Whatever means he who... Next time whatever comes up, we'll do the flashback. Monk means... So on. Not ordained means setting aside monk and nun. The rest are called not ordained. A line, the next line, every syllable, the next phrase. A line means starting together, they end together. 
the next line means. Starting singly, they end together. Every syllable means. Saying, quote, form is impermanent, end quote. Rupam anikam. He drops the ru, or he drops ru. All right. The next, let's check the footnote on that one. Hmm. Unclear. The next phrase means, while saying, quote, form is impermanent, end quote, he utters the sound, quote, feelings are impermanent, end quote. That's interesting. Whatever is line and whatever is next line and whatever is every syllable and whatever is next phrase, all this means Dhamma line by line. Dhamma means spoken by the enlightened one, spoken by disciples, spoken to holy men, spoken by devatas, connected with the goal, connected with Dhamma. Dhamma means connected with Dhamma. Should make speak means he makes him, him in parentheses, speak by line. For every line there is an offensive expiation. He makes him, in parentheses, speak by syllable. For every syllable, there is an offensive expiation. Ah, so if they don't understand the words and the monks are making them memorize each syllable, then there's an offense for every syllable. But if they do understand the words, then there's an offense for each word. That's interesting. Or each line. Ah, each line. Several words. If he thinks that he is not ordained when he is not ordained, and, in parentheses, makes him speak Dhamma line by line. There is an offense of expiation. If he is in doubt as to whether he is not ordained, and, in parentheses, makes him speak Dhamma line by line. There is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that he is ordained when he is not ordained, and, in parentheses, makes him speak Dhamma line by line, there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that he is not ordained when he is ordained, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he is in doubt as to whether he is ordained, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he thinks that he is ordained when he is ordained, there is no offense. There is no offense in making him, in parentheses, recite it together, in studying it together. If, while he drops a phrase usually familiar, if he drops it while expounding, if he is mad, if he is the first wrongdoer. Well, this one was interesting. Some of these can make one stop and think and reflect on how they're applicable today. And some of them are more historical. And some of them kind of are more universal as far as... Uh, orders with particular sets of teachings go. Again, you can make the analogy with the Catholic Church. There was a time when it would have been forbidden for a person to learn the Bible, to learn the teachings of Yeshua, uh, to memorize them, if they were not ordained, if they were not a priest. I myself am not ordained, and yet here I am, reciting line by line, word by word, translated in English, but the words of the Dhamma that he was referring to, the teachings themselves. 
although this is 2,300, 2,400, 500 years after this rule was put into place. So if one is wanting to adopt the lifestyle and follow every rule of Theravadan Buddhism, or they want to adopt the lifestyle and follow in every mannerism, like for example at one point St. Francis following in the example of Yeshua, then one can uh, do that. Or to follow every rule in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, of course there are people who do that. Uh, I think that, I mean, I've noticed in, uh, in that latter example there, there are people who will say, well you're not really this. You're not a true that if you don't follow every rule or if you don't follow at least the bare minimum 57 rules or whatever, you know, where nobody's out to call someone not a real Buddhist because they don't follow every rule. Of course, the rules for ordained monks are different than the rules for lay people, and surely the rules for ordained monks in Mahayana and Vajrayana are different from the rules of ordained monks in Theravada. So it would have been forbidden to touch money, forbidden to receive money for the monks back then, which I can understand, and I can also observe that it's not true for many monks today. And I can also observe that translations and publications of what they were referring to as line-by-line line Dhamma do exist, and people who are not ordained can learn them. According to these ancient rules, whoever made them available for publication would have been commit, committing, uh, well, an offense of expiation. They would have been doing something similar to what Martin Luther did when he translated the Latin scriptures into Greek, or into, <laughs> into German. All right. Just reflecting, just thoughts, nothing of substance there, just kind of absorbing the information and processing it. If you have thoughts on uh, Pakitia 4, do please comment below. We'll move on to Pakitia 5. At one time, the Enlightened One, the Lord, was staying at Alavi in the chief shrine at Alavi. We're in a new place. Okay. Now at that time, lay followers came to the monastery for the sake of hearing Dhamma. When Dhamma had been spoken, the monks who were elders went to their own dwelling places. But the monks who were novices lay down in a sleeping place just there in the attendance hall, together with the lay followers, careless, thoughtless, naked, mumbling, snoring. The lay followers looked down upon, criticized, spread it about, saying, quote, How can the reverend sirs lie down in a sleeping place? My mind wants to read sleeping bag. Uh, careless, thoughtless, naked, mumbling, snoring, end quote. Monks heard these lay followers who looked down upon, criticized, spread it about. Those who were modest monks looked down upon, criticized, spread it about, saying, quote, How can these monks lie down in a sleeping place with one who is not ordained? End quote. Then these monks told this matter to the Lord. He said, Is it true? 
as is said monks, that monks lay down in a sleeping place with one who is not ordained, and quote, quote, it is true, Lord, and quote, they said, the enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked them, saying, how, monks, can these foolish men lie down in a sleeping place with one who is not ordained? It is not, monks, for pleasing those who are not yet pleased. Three dots. And thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. Whatever monk should lie down in a sleeping place with one who is not ordained, there is an offense of expiation. And thus this rule of training for monks came to be laid down by the Lord. Then the Lord, having stayed at a lobby for as long as he found suitable, set out on tour for Kosambi. Going along on tour, he arrived in due course at Kosambi. The Lord stayed there at Kosambi in the Badarika Monastery. Monks spoke thus to the venerable Rahula, quote, Reverend Rahula, a rule of training laid down by the Lord says that there should be no lying down in a sleeping place with one who is not ordained. Reverend Rahula, find a sleeping place. Quote. Then the venerable Rahula, not obtaining a sleeping place, lay down in a privy. Then the Lord, getting up in the night towards morning, approached this privy, and having approached, he coughed, and the venerable Rahula also coughed. Quote, who is in there? And quote, he said, quote, it is I, Lord Rahula. And quote, he said, quote, why are you sitting there, Rahula? And quote. Then the venerable Rahula told this matter to the Lord. Then the Lord, in this connection, on this occasion, having given reasons, talk, addressed the monks, saying. I allow you, monks, to lie down in a sleeping place with one who is not ordained for two or three nights. And thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. Whatever monk should lie down in a sleeping place with one who is not ordained for more than two or three nights, there is an offense of expiation. Whatever means, again, next time, I promise we will replay that. Uh, monk means, again, same. Not ordained means setting aside monk, the rest are called not ordained. More than two or three nights means exceeding two or three nights. With means, together with. Sleeping place means if it is fully covered, if it is fully closed round, if it is partially covered, if it is partially closed round. Should lie down in a sleeping place means... If at sunset on the fourth day a monk lies down while one who is not ordained is lying down, there is an offense of expiation. If one who is not ordained lies down while a monk is lying down, there is an offense of expiation. Or if both lie down, there is an offense of expiation. If getting up they lie down again, there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that one is not ordained when he is not ordained, and, in parentheses, lies down in a sleeping place for more than two or three nights, there is an offense of expiation. If he is in doubt as to whether one is not ordained and, in parentheses, lies down in a sleeping place for more than two or three nights, 
there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that one is ordained when he is not ordained, and lies down in a sleeping place for more than two or three nights, there is an offense of expiation. If it is half-covered, half-closed round, there is an offense of wrongdoing. Hmm. If he thinks that one is not ordained when he is ordained, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he is in doubt as to whether one is ordained, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he thinks that one is ordained when he is ordained, there is no offense. So the description is making me wonder, is that like sharing the same bed? So if it's half closed round, it's different than if it's fully closed round. So if you're inside of a sleeping place, I don't know. Comment below if you are familiar with what they're talking about. There is no offense if he stays for two or three nights, if he stays for less than two or three nights. If, having stayed for two nights, departing before dawn on the third night, he stays again. If it is fully covered, but, in parentheses, not fully closed round. If it is fully closed round, but not fully covered. If it is partially uncovered, partially not closed round. If the monk sits down while one who is not ordained is lying down. If one who is not ordained sits down while the monk is lying down. Or if both sit down, if he is mad, if he is the first wrongdoer. The fifth, it says here. Um, okay, so if it's not fully closed round, and you're not both laying down, then it's no offense. One of you is sitting, and it's fully closed. Or it's not closed, and you're both laying down. Then it's more like you're in a hostel, not in a, a bedroom, if you will. All right. <clears throat> That's interesting. Um, again, something that more applies to the time, and one can uh, contemplate why. What was the reason? Other than reputation, on the surface, a lot of these could be seen as, well, people were talking, therefore they made it this way, because they didn't want people to talk, because they wanted to preserve the reputation of the order. Not that that's not important, but I tend to err, err on the side of thinking that there's uh, more to it. So, back to back to 4, Pakitia 4. Um, I had talked about it on one level, but not on another. The why? Why should uh, these lay followers who are able to mouth the Dhamma not be, not be able to mouth the Dhamma without having been ordained, without having been trained, without having um, come to a deeper understanding of what they're saying. Um, and there was one line that stood out to me, when they say form is impermanent, they say it with the sound as if they're saying feelings are impermanent. Which is true, but they're not saying it with the understanding or the, or the wisdom of what that means or why that means freedom or, or having processed the whole teaching, the whole message, the whole way, the whole path. Of course, form is impermanent. That's like basic to an understanding of the world and basic to an understanding of the Buddhist way. But the way that these lay followers were being taught by the six monks, who, because we know it's them, we know that it's probably not good, 
um, they were being taught to mouth the Dhamma and say, form is impermanent, as if they're saying, oh, isn't it sad? So that was also part of why it's not a good thing. Um, and, you know, on the side of, of those who were against what Martin Luther did, too, there was a lot that happened afterward where people with, let's say, an incomplete understanding, sometimes with narcissistic personality disorder and some kind of messianic complex, you know, or, or uh, what's the word for when you want to take over the world? Well, anyway, uh, would interpret and would they would memorize the whole book. I mean, look at David Koresh. David Koresh wasn't possible before Martin Luther. So you can understand the wisdom of it. However, in our time, in 2022 common era, um, it seems like an odd thing that a person should not be allowed to learn the actual lines of the teaching, that they should only hear it as explained or expounded by an ordained monk and that they should only learn it in the context of studying it, or they should only learn it with key phrases left out. But that was the rule. That was how the Buddha taught his monks to teach back in the old days. Interesting. Very interesting. I think there's a lot of things that, um, you know, the, the saying familiarity breeds contempt. So there's a lot of folks that are more familiar with the Judeo-Christian way who... Uh, are able to name 500,000 things wrong with, uh, with the church they went to growing up, for instance. And then when they hear an Alan Watts lecture, then they imagine that Buddhism is this perfect way that's so far the opposite, so completely unlike the path that they came from. And this is uh, one of those examples of where you can see, huh, huh, interesting. Interesting. Lord Buddha had something in common with Constantine. I wouldn't have uh, predicted that. I mean, abstractly speaking. Well, let us contemplate this for the next day or so, and uh, I will return next time and recite Pakitiya 6. I hope everyone's doing well. The lighting only lasted so long, see? Now you can see me. Ah, now you can't. Um, but at the beginning of this recording, the sun was a little further that way. So clearly that is east. That is west. Right? Amitabha over there. And uh, Akshobhya. Akshobhya is blue, right? Ratna Sambhava in the south and Amogasiddhi in the north, and Vairokana right in the center. I'll go ahead and close now on that note. <clears throat> to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us, and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Oh.
Until next time.